most of the time itself. Even though we might put the caution tape around it and say, I'm guarding this evidence. And you've seen caution tape around the church. And I love making a point. That's why we got huge mountains in here. But the point is, is even if we're putting that on and saying, I want to guard the evidence, a lot of times, sometimes we cut the tape. Because we get to a place where we get so close to cut the tape because ah, I just, I missed that or whatever it is. We don't guard it and then here comes the enemy. Comes in like a flood. And we have to continue to let God raise up a standard. He's wanting to elevate and raise up a standard in all of us. But see, he created us with choice. And in our own choices, we, we have the choice to, 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 to be elevated and raise up to that standard. We have a choice in our own personal life to even be on the bottle or start eating the meat. And what I'm saying by that is what they've talked about sometimes with Christians is that it's, it's, it's just like a child still nursing or still taking the bottle but eventually what has to happen is the bottle has to come out and whole food has to come in the mouth. And again, for us, that is us individually taking the time to get in the word of God. And there's no excuse. Whether it's a free Bible app, whether it's a Bible in general, there's no excuse for it to spend time with God. And so again, our choices as we want to guard the evidence, we're going to have to go from toddler to mature. And as God keeps on doing what he's doing, which is so awesome, he wants us to be elevated and go from glory to glory. He wants to use us in all that we're doing. And so... We're going we're gonna to switch this into guarding the evidence, part two. Last week it was about David and about how the Ark of the Covenant wasn't where he was, wasn't in the center when he took Jerusalem and made that the capital of all of Israel. He wanted the presence of God so bad. But even though he went and got the Ark of the Covenant, he didn't do his homework and the people around him did not tell him the proper way to carry the Ark of the Covenant. And a lot of happened. But when finally he got the ark home, there was this great rejoice, rejoicing and celebration because the ark is home. And so what we're going to talk about today is guarding the evidence in your home. What I find, and I've sat here and my, I've racked my brain around it all week, like us as pastors and leaders, we can help guard the evidence in this church. And we have the people and the church people and, and people that call themselves Christians and they, they help, you know, in, in a, a matter of sense of help guarding the evidence of what God is doing and keeping it going. But what I find out is that as soon as people leave church, they go home and they don't guard the evidence inside their home. They do it because it's here and it's considered a church. But if we are the church, we take church where we go. But why is it so easy for us not to guard it 
at home. When we come here, it's all that, but when we go home, we're a different cat. A little rhyme for you today. You see what I'm saying? And, and this is, this eye-opening, this, it, it, even as a conviction, and this as a life-changing moment for your own personal life, that as God opens this up and we just become vessels that are pouring out, that we can start seeing things in our own personal lives and what we've not been doing and what we maybe we have been doing and we need to continue to do or be better at doing. We can come in church and guard the evidence and get hyped for Jesus, but sometimes we go home and don't even do it. So let's get into this. Guard the evidence in the home. I want to say before we even get started, I want to just tell our media team thank you because what you guys don't realize is that, you know, there are lots of those that can't sometimes see things, whether they're working in the back or whether they have stuff going on. And even for those that are at home, um, that's part of guarding the evidence, honestly, because you're allowing God to be able to get into the homes. And if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have been able to hear what was done last week because I was back in the back doing children's ministry. And it was powerful how God does that. And I think, you know, that's part of guarding what you have at home. If you are here or you can't be here on Sundays or you have different things that are going on or you know that God spoke something to you, that's part of guarding that evidence in your home by continuing to put things back into it and re-listen and do what's going on. And so I just want to tell them thank you for the work that they've done. I know that it's not easy because of just internet and different difficulties and technicalities, but... Um, you know, they, they help us guard that at home. And as I had listened last week at the end of the service, I, we kept all, I was hearing all three of you kept pointing towards, you said little things about the house and little things about the house. And Pastor Brandon and I began to speak and are together and talk about some things. And we went on into Second Samuel chapter 7. And I want you to start there with me um, in verse 1. And we're going to read 1 through 17. But it says, now when the king lived in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan, the prophet, see, now I dwell in the house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, go do all this in, that is in your heart for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and I've cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make you a great name, like the name of the great ones on earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly, from the time that I appointed judges over, over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house 
When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And when he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But by my steadfast love, will not he will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words and in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. As I look at that scripture and we begin speaking, one thing hit me was when David in the beginning begins to speak and he says, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And one of the things that struck me was that David was more concerned about the glory of God than the glory of his own home. See, David lived in a kingdom. He was a king now who lived in a kingdom that was built here on earth with all its splendor and all its glory. But David was not satisfied with just the presence being brought to the area he was in. He was more concerned about building the kingdom of God and building a place for that to rest than he was building his own name and a kingdom for his namesake. And it disturbed him because he was so focused on the glory of God that it bothered him to know that my glory, the glory of my name, the glory of my home is outstanding to the glory of God that he dwells in right now. Why is God in a tent? And as God began to speak that to me, what he said to me is he said, you are the evidence of my name. You are the evidence. If our mission is to bear witness to who he is and bring glory to his name, then you are the evidence of who I am. To bear witness means to provide truth, to provide evidence. When you look up to bear witness, it means to provide evidence that something is true. So when I'm bearing witness, that means that I am the evidence that God is true and that his love is true and that his glory is real and that it can live on this earth. And what happened with David was that he was so consumed with where God was being housed. And I believe that's why God was talking about David being a man after his own heart. Because I think that the purpose that Jesus said that was in all the time that David ruled as king, he was so much more concerned with God and building a kingdom for him and knowing that to his people he was seen as a king that loved God and that served God than building his stature in the appearance of people. And what happened was that then God blessed it and he moved down in the family line and God was, Jesus was birthed out of the line of David. That is so important because I think what David was trying to teach us right now in this spot was that it's not really about a house. It's, that's why God was saying, you know, I've never asked for a house of cedar or anything like that, but it was the heart of David to house the presence of God. And the point of that is, is that as we go on and Jesus Christ came and he died for our sins, now we can house the presence of God. And I believe that God is wanting us to do as David did and seek more after the glory of God than we do after our own glory. And God began to ask me, he said, in our house, he said, most of our houses, ask yourselves, is your house more full of the evidence of the world than it is of the glory of me? When you are in your home, what is the evidence that I live there? 
What is the evidence that I abide there? Is it, is it a cross on the wall? A I know, menorah right? in the corner? Could be. Could be the old picture of Jesus on the wall. It could be anything like that. But what's the evidence? What's the evidence of you? If you bear witness, which means you are the evidence that it is real, what is the evidence in your home that bears witness that he is the truth in your life? And God began to speak to me as we go down and we look at as he passed it on to Solomon. What's so crazy is the reason this is about the house as a whole is because David could have in any way built that house for God. He could have. It wasn't that he was inadequate or incapable. It, It wasn't about that. But I believe that we have, we have this mission in our homes to begin to Take that down to generation to generation. And you may say, well, I don't have any children. It doesn't matter if you have children in your home or not. What's the evidence in your home and who you are and who you house that no matter who comes in, whether it's the next generation or not, they can be taught that God is real and he's the truth and he's the life and he's worth building a kingdom for more than our own name. Do our children, does the next generation, when they come into your home, do they look at all the things that you have and know that you've got them by your own accolades? Or can you just know that you've received them because of the grace and the glory of God? The things that you bear witness to, you know, the nice cars, the the things that you pay for, the things that you, you have. And yes, you work hard for, but do you have that job because of all that you can do? Or do you have it because you know God has given you that job? And he's given you the ability to do that. And do your children know that? These days, if you look at it, we put more prominence on sports and social media and things like that that take time from the next generation being here in the church, being here and knowing God. And we put more prominence on those things even in our home. I remember when I was a kid and I played sports And I played volleyball, basketball, track, did all those kind of things. But my dad was very straight up and honest with my coaches. She will not be here on Wednesdays. Because at that time, Wednesdays was service. She will not be here on Wednesdays. Wednesdays, we have church, and that's where we're going. She won't be here. If she can do practice before then and get out, but we're taking her with us. Other than a tournament that was something that was special, I'm not going to have her out every week just for a sports And if you can't do it, then you're not playing. And that's how it was in our home. And what's crazy about it is, is at that point, we were the ones who set the standard. We were the ones of the evidence that said, you know, this is where we are. This is where we stand. And the world has to conform to what we're doing, not us conform to the world. But nowadays, more times, we bow to whenever anybody says, well, we have this and we have that going. And you have to miss because of this and you have to miss because of that. I'm not saying sports are bad, so please don't get that from me. And I believe that God can use anybody in any arena to minister the glory of God. What I'm trying to say is when in our homes did we place the evidence of the world over the evidence of God to say that they have the right to tell us the standards that we have instead of us telling them the standards we have? Why do we have to back down to that anymore? It is our job so that the next generation can continue to build the kingdom of God. This wasn't, again, like I said about David, it wasn't that he was inadequate to. I think he was charged at that moment to make sure that the next generation knew the purpose and the authority they had to build the kingdom of God. And that's our job. That's why we have to guard the evidence in our homes. 
If we don't guard it, what's the matter? What are you watching? What are you listening to? What are, what's going on in your home? What's the evidence that God is more real? And I believe right now, in this very moment, it is more than ever that we have to be aware of what we're allowing into our homes. That is the key. We want to be the evidence of the glory of God, but I don't want to be tainted evidence. Have you ever seen a crime scene where they have stuff going on, but if you go in and you are the person, the CSI or whatever, and you, and you touch evidence and you don't have the right proper equipment and gloves and different things on, that, that evidence is tainted and it's thrown out. I don't want to be that type of evidence. I don't want to be so tainted and touched by the world in my own home that the evidence of God is thrown out the window because everybody gets a blurred picture of who God really is and the standards of who he is. And I believe more than ever, we have to fight against the blurred lines today in this day and age. So good. The evidence in our home. Listen, we come here once a week and I'm telling you, home life is where you, that's where you lay your head. And you have to guard that even greater than anything else. We come, we come to church, we worship the Lord, we hear the, the words, we hear the sermon, the speaking, the truth in the word of God. But then when we go home, what happens is, is everything that we try to guard here at the church, we like put our guard down at home. We let other things dictate us. We let, we get captivated by the news. We get we sometimes, like she said, there's stuff that even in our own home that we have to guard because Lord knows. Let's just be real. Can we be honest and real in this room today? TV ain't what it used to be. TV ain't what it used to be. Family feud ain't for the family anymore. It's for the adult. And, and then you got to get to a place where you guard your evidence. Because we have to be careful when we gather and when, when we're letting, trying to let God just be the best in us and we're trying to give it to him and then we go home and we go back to the same place. See, he wants us to change, to transform. And we have to guard that in our own homes. We have to guard it with the stuff that comes in the ears, the stuff we see. If, if God is the, if this is the temple and he dwells within it, David's laying in bed and like my place is full of cedar and he's out there in a tent with some curtains, which was awesome for the moment before David had this eye-opening experience because with Moses, that's all they did. They went from tent to tent. They, they all lived in tents. Then David gets established, creates this great, it's like us saying, okay, we got this nice building, and why is God out there in that little 10 by 10 pop-up tent? What the heck's going on? And has to realize. And for us, we have that now because Jesus died on the cross, and he, he's like, you have full access to me. I want to live inside of you. You are the temple now. So if he's the temple, we have to guard the evidence in our home. What do we put in these ears? What do we put in with these eyes when we watch stuff? Or is it that you're just too numb? It's just another cuss word. When is enough's enough? When is GD going to just drive you crazy and shut it off? When are you going to walk out of the movies? When are you going to be done with it? Or we just put up with it? 
When are you going to be done with the music you listen to that doesn't bring glory to God? Now listen, I know there's great debates over music. But I'm just telling you right now, that's not my consumption. I want to do whatever I can to bring glory to God. Yeah, there's fun jams and different things. And I, I started thinking about this with my own children. You know how we have like, oh, the 60s and the 70s and the 80s mixes and then the 90s and then the early 2000s. See, it used to be like the R&B used to be romance. But then the next generation got a hold of it, made it homance and changed it all up. And sorry if that's real, but it's real because they changed it. It just got real dumb. But see, I started thinking about this with my kids and just how generations change. And this is just for me and my house. You ain't got to do what I do. You're entitled to your own and you got your own convictions. But I started thinking about like when we listen to stuff and we play crazy music sometimes and just like old fun dance songs and stuff like, oh, that's from the 80s. Oh, that's Michael Jackson or, oh, that's the 90s. That's Boys to Men. And, you know, my kids won't know that stuff. They're going to be like, oh, that's Elevation. Oh, that's Maverick City Worship. Or, oh, that's Remnant Worship. Or, oh, that's... Because in my house, we do... that's not my jam. That's not my consumption. We have to guard the evidence in our own homes. Parents, guard the evidence around social media. You have to guard it. There's so much stuff going on everywhere. You have to take control and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. I love the beginning of this scripture. It says, now the king lived in his house and the Lord had given him rest. I'll just stop there. What's amazing is when the, when the presence of the Lord finally went home, guess what happens? Rest. It says, giving him rest from all his surrounding enemies. What are the enemies of your mind? When you guard the evidence and you keep him in the center of your home and all you do, guess what happens? Rest happens. I'm going to read this other scripture, Psalm 127, 1 through 5. If God doesn't build the house, the builders will only build shacks. If God doesn't guard the city, the night watchman might as well take a nap. It's useless to rise early and go to bed late and work your worried fingers to the bone. Don't you know he enjoys giving rest to those he loves? Don't you see that the children are God's best gift? Let me say that one more time. Don't you see that children are God's best gift? I think what we forgot as adults, that you still are children. You're children to the king. They're God's children. And so we get, we get too adult for, to realize that we're still God's children. The fruit of the womb is his generous legacy. Like a warrior's fistful of arrows are the children of the vigorous youth. Oh, how blessed are your parents. With your quivers full of children. Your enemies don't stand a chance against you. 
You'll sweep them right off your doorstep. You have to guard the evidence in your home. And I'm telling you, when, when Christ is the center in your home, that's where rest begins. I love that scripture. It just He was rested. Why? Because the Lord was in the midst of it all. And we have to guard in all we do. When we, when we go to church, when we're at home, when we're at work, when that house, that's, you, you don't live at work. We know people that can be workaholics that try to live there. But when you go home, that's your rest. That's, that is your safe haven. And what are we doing? If, if he's the king over your heart and lives within you and you want to make him Lord of all, when people walk in your home, like she said, what is the evidence that he does? We have to guard it more than ever. And we, and we come together and we guard, but then when we go home, we put our guard down. And we just do whatever is whatever's home life or however home life is. And we see stuff mixed up and jacked up sometimes. But God is telling us, we, we, I was going to move on to the next thing we were going to talk about today. We could not shake this, that we have to guard the evidence in the home. We're guarding it in the church. We're doing our best. We have to take it home. What's that look like? I think sometimes it looks like, one, it's okay to pick up your Bible and read it at home, not just on Sundays, at church. Two, whether with your family or your spouse, or whoever, read the Word. We get so consumed with everything else. What else, look what else gets glorified in our home. I know people that flip out if they miss a, a, a small section of a show they're watching. Oh, I can't wait, just got to get this show. I'm not saying shows are all bad, but I'm just telling you, what's the importance of your home? You have to guard the evidence. Because the enemy, he does, he wants to kill, steal, and destroy your life. And most of the times it happens right within. And most of the time it's self-sabotage when we start seeing the lines really blurred and we cross over. I think what we have to remember is Sunday mornings is not meant for the station where you build <clears throat> exactly for your faith. You come in and you, you allow God to fuel you and do what you need to do. But really, most of the critical building and the building blocks and the foundational places that we build are at home. That's where that takes place. The most critical sections of building are at home. And even if you are one who does, like I said, again, who does not have children, you are building those foundational building blocks for your home in your own time. When you are reading your word and you are spending time to separate yourself from things that you don't need to be involved with, even if it's conversations or different things that are going on, you know, we can hold, uh, think about the conversations that you hold at home that you probably would never dare to hold here in this place. You know, and it's no difference because guess what? If God is with you and you are the temple, what makes your home any different than holding a conversation in here? It's no different. 
home is home and you build the, the most critical time of building is when you are on your own in your home one-on-one -on -one with God and that's what makes the difference we will never be able to fully uh, be effective the way that we need to in a city yes we can affect and we can do things but how much more effective could we be if we were building foundational stability and building blocks in our homes that cause God to be that center foundation and we would so much more become the evidence that when we came together we just be click 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 in with one another because we were already ready I'm gonna I want to go back to 2nd Samuel 7 I'm gonna read this in the message verse 11 God has a message for you God himself will build you a house I don't know about you but he wants to he wants to do it we try to do all these things even I say this, even trying to read your word. Well, I read that. I read that scripture and I got, no, he, this is called yielding. This is called surrender. God himself will build you a house when your life is complete and you're buried with your ancestors, then I'll raise up your child. Now I'm going to go to Abraham and Isaac. Genesis 12, 7 in the NIV. God appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who appeared to him. Verse 12. The angel of the Lord says, Now I know that you fear God. See, I think we, get, we miss it when we don't reverence the Lord. Some of us try to reverence the Lord here in this house. I'm going to go. But you don't reverence God in your house. You can talk to somebody here nice, but you don't talk to your wife like that. Come on. You can talk to the kids that are here. And, oh, my goodness. Or you'll see somebody at the gas. Oh, aren't you cute? But you talk like the devil to your kids when you get home. He said, because you have... Because I know that you feared God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham's talk, God's talking to Abraham about Isaac on Mount Moriah. Genesis 22, 17 and 18. I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the star. Now I will surely bless you as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand in the seashore okay we can't even we can't wrap that around our minds just like the lamb was slain before the foundation of the earth how can you wrap that around your but you got to yield because sometimes you don't understand because just like he said some of you are still in the breast and you need to come off of it the only way the only way that you can mature and really Come to this place in your home. You go from glory to glory. You go from maturity to maturity. You go from image to image. I want to be in the image of Christ. How am I going to be in the image of Christ if I do not yield and let myself grow up? It's time to grow up. I'm still growing up. I still have things that I'm dealing with and allowing God to deal with me. I haven't arrived. We haven't arrived. Listen. And through your offsprings, all nations on the earth. Uh, amen. 
from generation to generation to generation. I love this. God really spoke to me. And he said, Solomon broke ground. Second Chronicles 3.1 in the message. So Solomon broke ground. Here's David giving it to his son. That's the first thing that we read. So Solomon broke ground and launched construction on the house of God in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. The place where God appeared to his father David. The precise site, the threshing floor. Listen. And had been designated by David. Let me go back. Abraham took Isaac to Mount Moriah. And because Abraham's obedience and his reverence before God, it caused the blessing to the offspring to Isaac. Just like David obeyed and it caused the blessing of his offspring to Solomon. And he built the temple on Mount Moriah. The same place where Isaac laid down, where Abraham laid down Isaac. And I know I'm going, I might just step ahead. I'm not sure. But I want to say this. That mm, Abraham's great-grandsons, Levi and Simeon, found out that his sister, this is the great-great, this is the great-grandson of Abraham, found out that his sister got raped. And so here's the great-grandsons of Abraham so they go kill the men that raped him. You got things going on in your house? Yep. So here's Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Isaac's son, Jacob. Jacob's children. That's the great-grandson of Abraham. They go and kill these men that raped their sister and killed all these other people. So here's Jacob. He goes and says, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? This is my family. Oh my Lord, I still reverence God. My sons just killed these people. And my daughter just got raped. I don't know about you, but that ticked me off. Somebody come in and rape my, child, my daughter. But instead, you know what he did? He went back to the place where Abraham offered right here. God appeared to Abraham and said to your offspring, I will give you this land. So so Abraham built an altar there to the Lord who appeared to him. Here goes Jacob, goes back to where the altar was built and asks God for forgiveness for his family. See, sometimes we don't get back to, to the place of prayer. Some of, some of you haven't been blessed to have generation to generation to generation of blessings. So God engrafts you. You're adopted. Uh, I can say from way back when, both of my grandmas on both sides were blessed. On both sides. From way back when, my great-great-grandmother was an evangelist in the villages. Did I step away? There was times, yeah. I stepped away. And I could hear my mom pray. I could hear her when I'd walk in the door from school. God, I pray. Mom, I don't like you doing that no more. I don't. I'm 16. I'm 15 years old. I'm going to do whatever I want. You, you ever hear of a generation doing that? I can listen to whatever I want. 
My mom found a pack of cigarettes in my car. In my little slip thing that I thought I was cool when I got in my car and I lit up a cigarette that made me green and felt sick. But I thought, you know, that's the thing to do because everybody else is doing it. That's the generation I was in, in the 80s. And instead of my mom jumping at me, she must have got in my car and prayed over that. I got in my car the next day and I opened it up and there was a skeleton inside that cigarette pack. Freaked me out. I rode down the window, threw them cigarettes out. I came in and I said, Mom, did you put something in? She said, that represents death. That would eventually kill you. That caused a fear, not the fear of, of, I'm scared, but the fear of the Lord because I disrespected something. I think that we're in a place that just like Abraham, and here's his grandson, and his sons, which is his great-grandsons, causing havoc, and he still had to go back to an altar and say, God, that back to a generation of the same place where David, Solomon built the altar. Same place where Abraham laid his son. God, it says that he was precise. God's wanting us to be precise of what we're doing. Not going, okay, well, okay, well, I'll read the word now. And, and uh, I mean, you know, that's what they said. So that's, I guess that's what I'll do. And now I'll just, no, this is, this is a heart condition of building his house. Amen. Um, the glory of God is an environment. Um, and I think going back to what you were reading when you said that it, when he brought the ark back, then rest came. The whole time I'm sitting here just pondering this and I'm thinking to myself, how many of us don't rest because we don't have the right environment? You know, you can't take an orange tree from Florida and plant it in Iowa. And the reason you can't do that is because it doesn't get hot enough in Iowa to germinate the seed and produce the fruit that it's supposed to produce. So therefore, if, if we're not careful, we will not be able to germinate the seeds that are in our children because we don't create the right environment in our home. The thing we have to understand is that the environment is not created specifically by us, but it's through our actions in prayer and in the study of the Word, and it allows the glory of God to come, and it brings rest, it brings peace. Check this out. The glory of God is therapeutic. Think about this. You come into this house and you enjoy sitting in the presence of God and the glory of God when the glory of God begins to come in. And, 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 and I'm just going to tell you, you're just experiencing a small dimension of the glory. Because if the fullness of the glory walked into this place... I would be laid out in this chair and I would just be under this wave, continuous wave of presence. But it's therapeutic. It, it, it causes stress to come off of you. It causes anxiety and worry to come off of you. 
the problem with us is, is we get so busy doing everything else that we forget to sit in the therapeutic presence and glory of God. That's why we get stressed in our home. That's why arguments between husbands and wives start. That's why children are running around crazy because we're so busy trying, trying to attain the glory of the world rather than resting in the glory of God. Think about this. Adam and Eve in the garden, they were naked and didn't know it. Why? Because they were clothed continuously in the glory. They never had a care in the world. They never had anxiety or worry or panic or anything like that. They never worried whether they were going to be taken care of or not because they rested in the glory. But then they sinned. And all of a sudden, that glory lifted off of them. And because it lifted off of them, they began to try to cover themselves with everything else. I think where we've gotten in the church is we've become a people that have tried to cover ourselves with everything else to try to get that feeling back. If I have this phone, then it'll give me that feeling back. If I have this house, if I have this car, if I have this much money, if I have these clothes, if I have all of this, it will help me feel what I'm supposed to feel. But what you don't understand is what you're feeling is manufactured by the enemy to make you feel comfortable where you are. So that you will never attain the real thing. It's like going to the doctor and getting the flu shot. He's going to give you just enough that you will never contract the real thing. And what we've done is we've subsided to the enemy. And we, we allow him to give us enough of a touch so that we'll never contract the real thing. And we can come in here and we can sit and go through the motions and, and lift our hands and do our thing and get the goosebumps. And then we go home and hell is in our house. We love the environment here, but are we willing to take that environment home? I think David's main concern was this, is I'm living in a, in a beautiful home while God is sitting outside in a tent. The problem with our homes is we're living in a home while we stick him outside in a tent. We're not even inviting his glory to come in. That's why we watch the things we watch, listen to the things we listen to, cussing and doing all kinds of crazy stuff in our home. But we come here and we put on that mask again. And, and I'm just going to tell you that the Bible calls it out. Jesus called the, the Pharisees pretenders all of the time. If we're not careful, we will never be able to reflect the glory of God if all we ever do is pretend with a mask. Are you hearing me? It made me go back, all the way back to Eli. I began to read about Hophni and Phinehas, man. Eli is the priest of the tabernacle. He is letting his children run amok. They go in and they steal the offerings that the people would bring in. They threw parties. How about a house party in the house of God? Let's get drunk. Let's have sex. Let's... That's raw. I get it. But it's no different than what we're doing in our homes, Pastor. We let our kids tell us what they're going to do. We let them tell us how they're going to live, what they're going to listen to. We let them talk back. We let them do all that kind of stuff. And listen, I'm not sitting here saying take you and backhand them in the mouth. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you need to change the environment of what you've been living in. Because if it was the glory, that crap wouldn't go on in your house. You have lowered 
your standard of what you were doing. And you trying to put God on your cart. And the reason you're trying to put God on your cart is because then you have control of where you go instead of him having control of where you go. That's what I was going to say is the problem of it is you don't trust God. If that's the case, you don't trust God. Because the thing about it is, is David, what God says to David again, going back to 2 Samuel chapter 7, is he said, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. And he shall build the house for my name, and I will be a father to him. And when he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of sons of men. But by my steadfast love, it will not depart from him. And I think the whole key about it is, is we have lack of trust with God in many things. And we don't trust him, whether it's with our children, whether it's with our family, whether it's with our homes, whatever it is, we don't trust him to take care of it. And so we want to live by what we desire and by what we want to do. And we don't trust that God's presence is enough that could convict and conform the lives of those that are around us. That doesn't mean that you just don't do anything, but when you change the environment and you allow God to be the authority in your home, what happens is then you can carry the correct authority in your relationship, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in your uh, children, whether it's with your family, whatever it may be, you begin to carry relationships correctly because you have the order of God set above and ahead of you. And what happens is he begins to set in motion things that need to take place and gives you wisdom that you need and the encouragement that you need to do what's right. And I think when it comes down to it, guarding the evidence, if you look back at when we talked about last week about guarding the evidence, if you look up back at the family, Uzzah, Pastor Brandon did some studying and went back into it, but Uzzah was a descendant of Saul and had gone into it. Well, come to find out he was part of the Levites. And that's why he was allowed to be a part to carry the, to carry the ark. This is why you got to do some study and do your history digging in the Bible so you can understand what's going on. This is what we're talking about. Guard the evidence. Don't just take things at face value. Dig. Look at things. See what's going on. And so what happens is Uzzah was a Levite, but what happened is because Saul lost the anointing. Saul lost the anointing, and what happened is he did not guard the evidence of God in his life. So then from there out, his family members did not know the correct traditions nor positions to place themselves in before God. And because of that, the family line began to lose the anointing that God had on them because Saul desired and determined to do it his own way and went after self-satisfaction instead of the presence of Lord of the Lord. And then look what happens. Uzzah ends up dying. And I think I thought about that and I was like, man, how crazy would these stories have been if Saul would have just kept seeking after the face of God. I think that, you know, we may not have even had David come in the line because of what happened. I think possibly eventually, because Saul would have died eventually, but maybe not in the same manner. And his children and his family wouldn't have died off the way that they did, but they don't have the knowledge. And, and God, the word of God says the lack of knowledge, people will perish. And I think it's our job in our homes to get the right evidence of who God is into our homes and into our minds by continually digging in this first and allowing ourselves to be filled with his presence. And then what happens is those who are around us that come in and are a part of our lives, what happens is they begin to see who God is because then we become what we read and what we study and we become to imitate God. And others need to see that. 
when I'm when we're talking about guarding your homes, this isn't even just about just home because you then you take what you have in home out. Do you see what I'm saying? If you aren't guarding inside what you have, then what you take out is the trash that you keep building up. And so God's wanting to just encourage us to keep building in our homes. And this isn't, and listen to me, just like Pastor Brandon said, every person has their own convictions. We are not the Holy Spirit. How we may do in our house may not be the way that you do in your house. But all I'm asking you is if you can set and look out all your priorities, if you can set your planner down and you can set your uh, agendas and all your different stuff as your family and look back over it, what evidence does all those things in your life show of the glory of God? And ask yourself, what am I doing? What are the things in my home show? And then ask him to help you see what needs to be done. Like I said, everybody's convictions are different. You're not, you're not going to live the same way we live. But I think in accordance to what it is, if you live in accordance to what the word says, you'll do right. What is he telling you? Period. Right here. What's this say? I think also being older and doing the right thing, you know, like David, you know, Saul stepped and did the wrong things and then it caused his sons to do things because they didn't have any knowledge, just like you were saying. And I was thinking about David had to go and buy the threshing floor and how important, and he said, I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that don't cost me nothing. And there's a cost to it. There's a cost to the glory of God. There's a cost to the presence of God. He said, I'm, he, and, and then the, the, the man said, no, 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 I'm going to give you the threshing floor. Now, the threshing floor was where Solomon's going to build the house for God. And David said, no, 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 no. I'm going to buy that threshing floor. It's going to cost me something. And I think sometimes we think everything is free. It's a give me generation to say, what, didn't you give me enough of that? Hey, wait a minute. Why can't I have that? And there's a taker mentality that doesn't want to pay or cost for a cost of anything. And I think that we're in a generation that, and there's times, you know, just like Pastor Brandon said, he grew up when he was little and he saw things that me and his daddy did that was not right. And my younger daughters didn't see that. They saw the standard that we needed to take for God. And the day that I, I came back to the Lord is the day that my son came back to the Lord. And I want to read this, Brandon, and I put this, it's First Chronicles, I don't even think I gave you this, Crystal, or Christy, Crystal's up there, Christy, bless their hearts. I want to read this real quick, because God really laid this on my heart, and I had it marked, and I have your name on it, Brandon. First Chronicles 17, 10 through 16, and I thought about the generational blessing and I marked this July 12th, 2015. And now I'm telling you this. God himself will build you a house. When your life is complete and you're buried with your ancestors, then I'll raise up your child to succeed you. A child from your own body. Whew. 
And I will firmly establish his rule. And he will build a house to honor me. And I will guarantee his kingdom's rule forever. I will be a father to him and he'll be a son to me. I will never remove my gracious love from him as I did from the one who preceded you. I will set him over my house and my kingdom forever. His throne will always be there, rock solid. Nathan gave David a complete and accurate report of everything he heard and saw in this vision. This is the same scripture that we read while ago. And I wasn't even looking for it, Brandon, when I turned the page and I put your name there. And it will come from your own body. And I think the Lord is really saying that even though you might not have done right things in, at, at a moment when my son was six, seven years old and I didn't, me and Pop didn't do the right things at that moment. But when a true repentance come, that redemption came. And it brought the presence of God. And so I had to come up to a standard for what God wanted to do. Not only this son, but sons and daughters of the living God. And it's so important to come to that place of that standard in God. Because if I wouldn't like Saul... Some of us wouldn't have made it. I'm not saying it because of me. But you know, like Saul, his children, there's things that happened that wasn't good. David wasn't a perfect man, by all means. But he had a heart after God. And I think the important thing is to have a heart after God. Hebrews 11.1 1 in the Passion Translation. I love this. Now faith brings our hopes into reality and become the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. It's all the evidence required. We have to guard the evidence in our homes. The more I began to dig into this and think about Eli and Hophni and Phinehas and then about David I began to see something that was intriguing that when Eli allowed his children to do what they want and he did not rule or govern his house the way God intended the atmosphere or the environment changed and it wasn't right and therefore his kids just ran amok but his kids at one point when there was a battle going on, decided they were going to take the ark of the Lord out to the battle to the people. And it says that when the ark arrived, the whole place erupted and began to shout to the point where it scared the Philistines because the Philistines thought, oh God, the presence of God just showed up. We in trouble. I mean, you got to read the story. It's crazy. They freak out. But the problem was is that the ark might have been there, but the presence wasn't. It wasn't. Because the Philistines overtook Israel and destroyed them, and the Philistines took the ark of God, stole it. 
Then a report came back to Eli as he's sitting there on his chair. And you got to read it because the Bible says that Eli was heavy. So he got stuck in his ways. He got weighted down by his own self and, and his eyes were blind. He couldn't see. See, if you stay out of the glory and you don't have the right environment in your home, you can become fat and blind and stuck in your ways and you miss the things that God is trying to do in the moment. And all of a sudden the, the report comes back that the ark has been stolen and his children have been killed. And the Bible says that Eli falls backwards from his chair and he hits his neck on the ground and because he was so heavy the weight of his body broke his neck and he died right there I believe it was Phineas's wife was having a child at the time and she was going to die during birth and, and they said listen you just bore a son what do you want to name him and she said I'm going to name him Ichabod because the glory has departed if we're not careful Instead of birthing the things that God wants us to birth in our homes, we can birth a son called Ichabod, meaning the glory has departed and it's not there anymore. We have to, we have to guard the evidence. Because if we don't, Ichabod will be written on the doorpost of our homes. We will lose our children. We will lose the very things that God has designed for us to carry. We have to guard the evidence. Everybody stand with me. We're going to get ready to close this up. Listen, it's very vital that you guard the evidence. As they were all talking and stuff, I think, I think the reality is, is guarding the evidence in your home. What we've heard about with, with us individually, our children... And it, it's so true at times. If you have children, you have to start guarding the evidence and, and, and protecting them. But you also have to guard the evidence too because, because if you allow your children to talk back to you and act a fool, shame on you. You have to guard the evidence. And please do me a favor. I'm just going to say it. Quit practicing disobedience by counting. I'm going to give you the count of four. Okay, I'm going to still be disobedient to three and a half. If you said it, then make a stand and do something about what you said. But see, look, you got to guard the evidence with your kids, and you gotta re, you got to redo this stuff. you got to create a new habit in your home. Maybe you've just been a pushover parent. Now you got to step up and do the right thing. And, and look... Parents, please quit justifying it. When your kid says something and you go and challenge them for it, don't you be talking like that. Well, you talk like that. Well, I'm the parent. It's wrong that you're the parent doing it. Change the environment of the home. Well, I would never cuss in church, but why do you cuss at home? And then what about a marriage? We put on our smiles when we're at church together, but all hell breaks loose at home. Because if I, I got to walk on eggshells, because if I do that certain thing the wrong way, you got to refocus the house, guard the evidence in your home. Listen, it takes, it's going to take rethinking and really coming together, and you got to recreate a habit in your home. 
It's not going to be easy at times, but you have to. You have to create a new routine. Because let's just think about it right now. What you've been doing ain't been working all the way. Let's be real about it. We have to guard the evidence. I'll just keep it personal just because it's me and my wife. My wife's knee is jacked up. She goes tomorrow to go to the surgeon to see what's going on with it. But if I let her situation and her, her disability and all her health issues dictate our house and she let that happen, it would mess up the whole thing because we're so consumed with the problems that we personally face. You have to guard the evidence. What does the Word of God say? I don't care if I'm limping. I know He can heal me. I don't care if I can't hear right. I know He still can hear, heal me. You know what I mean? We have to guard the evidence in our home. Speak life in your home. I'm not saying taking it like what, what's going on with you isn't important, but the problem is we let that override the house and it just pushes and pushes and pushes where nothing is normal anymore. Guard the evidence. Start a new routine. Keeping it personal one more time before we close. Listen, we're going to close in prayer and this is something you take home. You need to talk with your family members and really think about the evidence you guard. When I gave my heart to the Lord, when my mom gave her heart to the Lord, I've, I've told stories many times of how my parents were crazy. Big drug dealers, doing dumb stuff, didn't care about their kid, me. But here's the, here's the reality of, of new routines. I remember getting eaten popcorn with mama at midnight watching Tales from the Crypt, watching Hellraiser, Night of the Living Dead. Freddy Krueger, Jason. You want me to name all of them? Because I've seen every one of them because my parents were that good. Do you see the reality? Like, it didn't matter. I just watch whatever you want. Hey, come up here, bub, and we'll cuddle up and watch the Tales from the Crypt, some crazy old woman. But then when something changed, there had to be a new routine. Well, son, why are you up at midnight? You need to go to bed. Oh, well, where's the popcorn? Why aren't we watching Tales from the Crypt? Well, you can't watch that. We're not doing that anymore. What do you mean I can't watch Smurfs? Gargamel's not that bad. Remember that, Mom? I was so mad about Smurfs. It, isn't it funny how you guys justify it? Like Harry Potter's bad, but Lord of the Rings is good. <laughs> you, that's, it's got a demon. It's got a, some kind of wizard in it, but go watch all the Disney princess movies. You just got to rethink everything you do because sometimes it's goofy the way we do things. You got to start creating an environment in your home. And I remember I was mad at some stuff because mom would change the channel. He ain't watching that anymore. Why? I've always watched it. You let me watch it. Mad stomp off. And listen, you got to stay on top of it because what happens is his parents don't want to deal with it anymore, so they give in. Here. Tablets and phones become new babysitters instead of parents. Oh, they just won't eat unless something's in front of them. Are you kidding me? I guess you won't eat. <laughs> like my dad used to do with me. Well, if you're not going to eat it now, guess what? Your snack's going to be that, and I'm not heating it up. You should have ate it when it was hot. Anybody have parents like that? Anybody had to deal with stuff like that? Probably worse, and I mean probably way worse than what I had to deal with but the reality was is things started to change it had to change and at first as a child I'm talking 
talking from a child perspective, it was hard at first. But because of consistency and new routine in the household, we we started to transform into like, like, hey, we don't guard the evidence to we're guarding the evidence. And the way we what we listened to and what we watched and, and the attitude, because listen, we could get our way and just say and say and say and, and go ask dad or go ask mom or go ask, you know, we all know who to ask first for, you know, to get our way. But when you start guarding the evidence, mom and dad are on the same page no matter who you ask. Y'all with me? Because I'm telling you right now, when you start changing the routine, even in your marriage, even with marriages, you've got to change the routine in your household. Why does this spouse have to walk on eggshells around you all the time? And why does it have to always be you just know how I am? No, that's not how you are. You don't act like that when you're out doing what you want to do. And so that's what happens sometimes, those realities. We, we have to change and guard. And it takes, it, it literally in our personal self, we have to really start moving around and, and rearranging stuff and saying, listen, I can't live like this anymore. Listen, I'm not going to do this. And you have to fight through it. You got to hold your tongue and you got to stand whether it's with children or spouse in your household. It's the reality. You've got to guard it. And the last thing, sometimes people do this, you have to guard the evidence in your home from other people. Your house should never just be open and closed, open and closed, open and closed, open and closed. There comes a point where you have to guard the evidence in your home. You can't entertain. You're never going to get any rest. You have to guard it. You have to balance your home out. You have to guard the evidence in your home. And when you do that, what's amazing about that is the Holy Spirit, when he becomes the center and the glory of God centers the room, it just fills the room. And rest happens. Is there going to be some battles? Absolutely. Because you're, you're battling old routines and you're changing it because you're starting to guard the evidence. You're battling all of it. But I'm telling you, it's worth the fight so that the home can be guarded right. Don't be a pushover. Don't, don't, don't cut the tape. Don't cut it down and act like you don't need to guard it. Guard it well. And maybe that needs to start today when you go home. And if you're watching all the stuff online, start today. Guard the evidence. I remember when one time we were watching, we had some, I have a lot of movies. And we're like, I haven't seen this movie in a long time. We put it in. And every other word was a cuss word. Every other word. And I stopped that movie. I took that out. And I was like, snap, broke it, threw it in the trash. And we looked at each other and we said, were we that numb in the past that we didn't even realize and didn't even care that all this was going on? That we could just let all that happen? In a, and, and sit and watch that and be entertained by that it's like that gladiator movie are you not entertained the presence of God wants to let him be the host let him do what he does best pray with me we're going to get out of here and I pray that we all just have these moments today that we can think like what can we do better what can we rearrange how can we refocus God, we thank you for this day.
God, I know it gets challenging because it's a tough word because we have to, we have to look in the mirror. We have to guard the evidence in our home. We get to come to a place that gets guarded, but we have to step up and have the responsibility to guard the evidence in our home. God, I pray that we take a deep look inside of our home. No matter what walk of life we're in, how we do life personally with the family, with kids gone, with just husband and wife, or just being single, that we start guarding the evidence and we do new routines and we change it up and we, we keep fighting through those days that we know we need to make changes, even with our children, because in the end, it's those children's children's children, because this is legacy we're talking about now. Gara, that we guard the evidence. God, that, that we, we stand strong on your word. God, that we rest in your presence because we have fully let you in the center of it. God, that even with our own personal stuff going on, that yes, we do have problems, but we have to realize that with you in the center, problems don't have us. That peace can still rest in us even though we have a hurt knee. Peace can still rest, even though that something's not right. Let us guard the evidence with our kids and our family members, our home, every window, every door, the center of that house. Because God, listen, we are the church. You said it. And we can break out church in the neighborhood when we guard the evidence. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for this house. Thank you for this knowledge you've given us. Some tough conversations, how we do home life. But God, we're going to be better because of it. But it's our, our stance on it. It's either going to make us better or bitter. And we want to be better. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you guys. Listen, guard the evidence.